Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on today's episode for a deep dive into the world of stand-up comedy, it's Will Chich. Will and I got talking over Twitter, and he suggested this idea for a topic, and I jumped at the chance to have a conversation with him about it. There's so much that we get into in this conversation, including the preparation that goes into being a stand-up, the different styles of comedy, the controversies that come up, and really how it survived lockdown. There was a lot that I learned from Will in this episode, and I hope you guys do too. So with that said, let's get to it. This is Stand Up Comedy with Will Chich. Hello, Will, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hi there, thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So, Will, I'm really excited to get into this one with you because you've brought a topic that I'm honestly surprised when I think about it that no one's brought up sooner. And I think it's it's so broad and there's so much we can get into, and that is stand-up comedy. So I just want to know, like, what was your introduction to, to stand-up? Yeah, I suppose I come from quite a funny household, and I remember my father listening to quite a lot of stand-up um, recordings. And I think... Yeah. I possibly have ended up comedies. It's something I enjoy. So I always was into all kinds of comedy, but stand up, I started picking up when I used to buy VHSs. And I vaguely remember Lee Evans being the first. Oh. Yeah, which is not yeah. something like, but it's one of the first I remember really watching with my friends and quite over and over. Uh-huh. And it's just grown from there. I've always been interested in stand up comedy. Yeah, I think that's probably quite common to a lot of people you know it's just like you say this thing of hearing about it and then you get a vhs or a dvd copy and i mean someone like lee evans is is it makes sense because he's been around for a long time you know he's been doing what he's doing for a while yeah and i mean he, he's he has been on a long time and i think because he, he's quite a broad comedian it's a lot of as younger the the, the silly voice the slapstick and the running around probably resonated yeah. more but as I've got older, obviously, I've started, I really dived into, like, the, like comedy itself and stand-up. Mm-hmm. And it's just something I enjoy. And, mm. yeah, I mean, but I think Lee Evans and that kind, there was a few around that time which were passed around amongst friends, the, the DVDs or the, yeah. well, I'd say DVDs, it was VHSs and I'm that old. <laughs> but, yeah, the VHS is being passed around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I I remember having a similar experience at school with um, I was I was around in school when Live at the Apollo was really kicking off, you know, and then there would be a similar thing of yeah, going to your mates and quoting all the your favorite bits and passing around DVDs or any, anything you could try and get your hands on. Yeah, definitely. And then I think as um, with like I said, Lee Evans is the one I remember mm-hmm. because I just remember that being a name we used to talk. But then. Of course, then you pick up, you go to the stand-up section of VHSs and probably watch some things I shouldn't have watched or probably didn't even <laughs> get at the time, but they were saying rude words. Do you know that right. kind of thing? I was like, yeah. And then, yeah, and but, yeah, and I, the, the, the quoting things in school, I, I remember a lot of people. Mm. Again, Lee Evans was the one I remember at that time. There yeah. was a few more as, as I've got older that, I remember watching um, Frank Skinner was one of the first ones I remember watching, which was was a, a grown wow. up stand up. Okay, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, still now to this day, I think Frank Skinner is one of the 
best comedians mm. we've produced. I mean, probably shouldn't have been watching when I was because <laughs> I think it's, well, it's Frank Skinner's one of those right, that right. people forget yeah. that he is quite rude. <laughs> he is, he yeah. is a, yeah. an adult comedian, but because he's on mm. Room 101 and things now, that I think people forget that. But yeah, Frank yeah. Skinner's probably the grown-up one I remember watching. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, like you said, there's that kind of transitional bit and I think I think it's funny that that usually comes in at adolescence because that is a part of your life where you're kind of starting to pick up on those things in the real world in terms of people's conversations and and attitudes and things like that and so yeah it's yeah stand-up comedy is one of those particularly in this country because we have a lot of observational stand-up so yeah you're right you, you can see how you can quite easily you start to pick up on one or two and you bump into a few, like you say, more mature <laughs> yeah, yeah. comics, and suddenly you're like, oh, okay, and you start to sort of understand, like you say, I guess, yeah, more adult humour and, and jokes and, and all sorts, really. Yeah, and it does form, like, it, it with, um, especially now, like, I, I, I watch a lot of stand-up, and through lockdown, I was um, watching, there's a, uh, I always be comedy, is called, and they do a lot of online shows, and right. I think, yeah, it can form your. So if you watch a lot of stand up, it can form your like ideas regarding politics and things. Like, sure. They would, especially back in the day, like Stuart Lee, who is something I've grown mm-hmm. to more, like even more now. He's okay. obviously very left. And yeah, that would have definitely formed part of my political beliefs. And mm-hmm. I'm sure other comedians have done that for other people, whether that's right or wrong. But that right. is. So, yeah, I mean, it, watching those things in adolescence and listening to them a lot and having the CDs and things definitely mm. formed part of my beliefs. Yeah, because it, it, it's natural, isn't it? You get, you know, you, your worldview is shaped by um, many different things. And it's something that I, I thought we were going to talk about um, with stand-up. And I'm, it feels like we're broaching on the subject of, especially in observational comedy, you kind of start to realise that these guys are thinkers. You know, the reason why they're up there and what they're doing, it's its fascinating, isn't it? I always think the, and you've met, you've named dropped one of my favorites. I think Stuart Lee is, is a really good example of somebody who is really good at making you think. And there's a lot of these guys that it's not just a case of getting up and riffing a few, you know, one-liners or jokes. Um, it's more like they thought about the world and about what they see around them. Oh, and absolutely. They want you to think and, about it as well. <laughs> yeah. And even observational comedy, like your, um, which kind of there's some of it like um popular like Michael McIntyre things. Mm, Not gen- yeah. generally my cup of tea, but it, it is a craft. They don't just get this oh, is yeah. they don't just get they do this by accident. I mean no, I think no. yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that people do forget about certain like not all stand-up is for everyone. Like no. but it is a it is a craft and they've honed those ideas. They haven't just got up there and just said some stuff and happens to be funny it's yeah. workshopped it's yeah it's, it's it is an art absolutely uh, that's something i didn't appreciate i don't think until a few years later and you could start to see a bit more like behind the scenes of things you know and I'm, and i remember watching i think it's probably something on bbc about a couple of stand-ups and they were sort of following them around for their routines and and like showing you how much work goes into it you know they'll spend a lot of time writing the jokes and then they'll spend a lot more time testing them out on audiences and in you know small little rooms and like you say just crafting it and like what you end up seeing on telly is really just the, the finished 
product, isn't it? It's something yeah, it's that they a, spent a long time, like you say, honing in. Yeah, it's like um, there's a story of um, Richard Pryor, who's always regarded as one of like, the greatest comedians ever. Right. But very, yeah. very few people saw Richard Pryor bomb, even when he was doing his um, the clubs. He went through a period of doing 10-minute sets, and he was essentially bombing because there was a what he was actually doing was testing bits and that set came together as live at the sunset strip which is probably one of the most Mm. highly regarded sets in comedy so it's that kind of thing where it's i remember comparing it to like it was like he was writing a symphony so he was trying all the notes and then getting it all together which yeah i think that's something that is maybe not appreciated as much with when you see live at the Apollo, mm. course is brilliant, but yeah. that half hour set is mm. finely tuned. You know, it's it's taken mm. months, maybe years, to get that right. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's some it's other stuff as well, isn't it? I guess it's not just the material itself, what they're writing. It's also the delivery, and this is something that endlessly fascinates me: is watching different comedians and their different styles, right? there's so much yeah. variety out there oh 100 like the same joke in the hands of one comedian delivered by a different one is a totally different joke and yeah may not be funny like yeah i mean you you can i think that's one of the like there's michael mcintyre for instance or um, yeah. peter k yeah. who who are observational comedians and they may not be that says you mic up a tea but i think it's mm looked down upon a bit by your certain comedy fans because he's right. just doing but they are they are like, doing something funny oh they're great and do you know what it's right it's you're absolutely right and it's it's a funny thing the idea of snobbery and fandom comes up a lot in this podcast yeah. <laughs> um and yeah i often think especially when it comes to something like comedy because i agree like i'm somebody who i i think michael mcintyre peter k are really good at what they do and I agree with you, like, it's one of those I can watch a little bit and go, yeah, it's pretty good. And after a while, I'll think, yes, okay, I, I've had my fill. But I wouldn't dare dream of saying, like, oh, that's not very good. I could do that. Not in a million oh. years, you know. And I'm sure anyone who's, who says that, who thinks that way, if you said to them, all right, here you go, here's a mic up you get, they would just, yeah. you know, they would just run. It's the old thing of, like, um, just... The funny bloke in the pub, for instance, some will say, right. "Oh, you should be a, you should be a stand-up mate." Yeah, probably not <laughs> because probably, no. <laughs> just because your friends are finding you funny in that moment, an arena of forty thousand people are probably not. And like to get yeah. to that stage where those people who are doing arenas now, even your Frankie Boyles and people who mm, yeah. they are doing huge crowds, but they've had yeah. to hone that in small clubs where sometimes you don't even know you're going to see Frankie Boyle, for instance, and that would be a bit of a shock right. to the system. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. That, that actually, makes so much sense, though. Sorry, go on. No, no, like, like I, because I've, I, I used to go to the Glee Club a lot in Cardiff, and um, uh-huh. I've seen that kind of thing where open mic nights and mm. or um, preview shows, and sometimes you're going to see any four comedians, so you're not, with the big arenas, like, if you're paying to see um, Ricky yeah. Gervais, Michael McIntyre, um, Mickey Flanagan, yeah. you, you're paying, you've paid 
up to 80 pounds to see them so you're probably going to last <laughs> because that's yeah. who you're going to see <laughs> but that, those yeah. comedy clubs with 100 seats or 50 seats mm. and then frankie boyle or someone along those lines who may not necessarily be your your vibe mm. yeah. starts telling his jokes you know it's, it can go either way and mm. yeah so he, a lot of them plowed quite a lot of Probably, you know, it would be easy to quit, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I'd encourage anyone, I think, to listen to comedians talking in, in podcasts um, about it because it is quite interesting when you hear a lot of the behind the scenes and someone who immediately springs to my mind, uh, <laughs> there's two of them, Ed Gamble and James Acaster, who are both really yeah. good at what they do. They do. The off-menu show is great. Like I've mentioned it before, yeah, yeah. Show, people should go and listen. But they occasionally, they'll tell stories about being on stage in like times where things have got dicey or they bombed or, yeah. you know and it, it's, it's interesting when you hear them talk about it because like you say we watch the final products on the telly or on like a, a panel show and we go oh but they're brilliant they must be brilliant all the time it must be everybody finds them hilarious yeah and then you find out like like you said no a lot of the time they're just sometimes they just get in a car and they just drive into all these little venues and they spend six months just slogging it out and it can be hit or miss and I gotta yeah, say, I mean, my respect goes up for them when I hear that. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, go into a room at maybe one in the morning where yeah, and yeah. these people, you, they are going right. I paid my five pound on the door, make me laugh, <laughs> yeah. and ten pints deep, make me laugh. <laughs> that can't be, you know, that's oh, yeah. a daunting prospect for anyone, especially if you you yeah. don't know who your crowd is. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've heard a lot of comedians say there's nothing worse than when someone will say, well, I've got a stag do booked in. Like, oh, oh, no. no. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, you get yeah all the heckling and all the rowdy lot. You just, yeah. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> I mean, that's another thing. Like, you, you have to like you have to be on your game. As, as, like, I'm not a stand-up, but like, I've seen stand-up. Mm. Heckling, that kind mm. of stuff. You hear stories of heckling, which there would be the end of me. I mean, I know, thank you, I'm done. Yeah. But you have to, yeah. You have to know how to respond. I, I totally mm. agree. And I got a bit, I, I don't know about you. I've only ever been to a couple of comedy shows, but whenever I have, I, I just don't get why people would heckle. <laughs> I'm just looking at that person thinking, like, especially when you're seeing them in, like, I've seen them in theatres and venues, like you say, where they've, they've built up to that. And so yeah. I, like, I'm just thinking, like, it's to me it's it's the physical equivalent of going up to someone who's you know a, a professional boxer for a living trying to throw a right hook and expecting to land it you're like no you're just going to get lamped yeah. in front yeah, of everyone exactly, yeah <laughs> it, 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 it get it, it get with um, panel shows and i mean i do mm. think sometimes some like the famous like preston walking off never mind the buzz costs now you are a bit right, of a lamb yeah, uh, yeah. you are a bit of a lamb to the slaughter but these people or there was um again never mind the buzzcocks um Donny Tourette going on there and trying to like outwit mm. Bill Bailey and you yeah. say oh, it's not going to happen job no yeah. it, it is literally his job <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah I I like the heckling thing I think sometimes I mean I've seen at, at comedy gigs where the heckling is kind of it, if it's light-hearted heckling which brings something right. to the show I think it's different like um Nick Helm is. Yeah almost invited sometimes i've been to shows okay. with nick helms and he kind of like that audience thing is part of his thing right and also i've been to shows where the comedian uh john robbins for instance he he does a 
half hour before when he literally says, right, if you're going to heckle, let's do it now. Because as soon okay. as I start the show, it's a performance. You heckled, you leave. That that kind of thing, which I understand right. because... Okay. The other thing that I think people look with stand-up especially is it is a performance. That yeah. You, you build into something. So those heckles sometimes will break the flow of... Sure. Well, it's essentially a, a piece of theatre, a performance. Right, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, if you were at a show, like a theatre show, and yeah, you started... Unless it's a yeah. pantomime, of course. You know, if you just start shouting at yeah. them, I'm sure they'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, stop if you it. start giving, giving Macbeth a bit, I'm sure you'd be, <laughs> you'd be kicked out. So, yeah, yeah I think that's... An, there's, there is... Con- stand-ups, I think, if you, if you don't like stand-up, for instance, or not really into stand-up, it, it can be seen as it's just a guy or a woman just doing jokes, just one-liners. Right. and But... Like um, Hannah Gadsby, who that's on Netflix, and it's an amazing show, but it is a performance piece. Right. It's it's as close to, I suppose, um, the, the the crossover between like theatre monologue and stand up. That mm. is very funny, but there's an absolute message in it, and it is a okay. performance piece. I think there yeah. is a there's some real challenge in stand up about which absolutely yeah. not for everyone. But I mm. I I quite enjoy the. Yeah, I enjoy the challenge a bit and enjoy being a bit challenged by things. I think that's right. a bit of part of stand-up that gets forgotten as well. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I was thinking about it today. Like, I, and I feel like when it comes to the challenging stuff, that's often the stuff that gets misunderstood, right? Or gets misquoted and taken out of context sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I think I think there's a big difference between... The, the outer context thing is a is a, a big issue, I think, with absolutely not for everyone. Say, for instance, Frankie Boyle, again. Sure. Who sure. is just an example of someone who really does push it to the limits with what he says. Yeah. I think the and Jimmy Carr's fallen um follow at the moment with the with a joke that's been about uh, Yeah, I think he, I've heard he's about made that. It, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you won't repeat the jokes, it's it's no. it's terrible. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's a bad taste, very bad taste joke. Sure. But I think sure. the difference is the content is different to the intent. So if you're, if, right. if, yeah, I think the intent sometimes is what's missed. So if you're making a joke about about a subject, I think it's mm-hmm. you you should be allowed to. But if the intent is to be hateful to that subject, then that's a totally different thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, yeah, it, definitely the, the intent makes a huge difference, right? Because, yeah, that, that's and, often the way. And, and and to be fair as well, like you said, those kind of comedians, especially ones I think that make a living out of being, I guess, edgy, for lack of a better word, you kind of expect it. And I do think there's a, there's a, yeah. a little bit of an onus on you as an audience. And if you can say, like you like you said, I mean, there's like guys like Frankie Boyle, for me, not for me. But... Yeah. Because of that, I'm not going to go looking for jokes to get offended about or get angry about. And if I yeah, hear about it, I I'll think... just go, well, that's his thing. And I think the more that you do it and the more that people kick up a fuss, it's like you do realize you're drawing more attention to that. And exactly. if you're trying to and make it... a point, you're just going to make it worse. <laughs> yeah. So the, Frank, the, the Frankie Boyle is, is one because he's constantly under fire for jokes he's made. But yeah, he made a, a jokes which came under fire and. Mm. But 
those jokes were in a sellout show called I Would Happily Come Down There and Punch Each One of You in the Face was the right. name of his stand-up show. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to that yeah. and then going, well, that was offensive, you've missed... <laughs> you shouldn't have gone to that show. It's not for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I understand. Yeah. And I, I, I think, again, it's intent. Some things mm. probably, it's not my cup of tea to joke about them. Mm. But that doesn't say they shouldn't be joked about if the intention is right. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of comedians talk about this, you know, and they get you do get people that will say, "Oh, you can't make a joke about anything these days." And yeah, I think a lot of them have made your point an observation, which is like, no, it's yeah. it's a lot of it's in the delivery. And what are you trying to say about that subject? You know, and yeah, are are you punching up or punching down, or are you are you making a point, as you said earlier? You know, are you trying to say something bigger and make an audience feel uncomfortable to make them think about it? Or are you just going after a sensitive topic just for a, a cheap joke and a bit of shock value? Yeah, I mean, there are comedians are guilty of it. Like, I will watch. I just like stand-up in general. I like the craft. I yeah, like yeah. watching it. And I mean, mm. a lot. there are things that are not for me. Absolutely not for me. And I don't think they should be for anyone. And like, mm. there are certain comedians now who say, oh, this cancel culture. They, they've cancelled me. I can't. They, this right. theatre won't have me. I mean, it's not true. The reason they're not selling out theatres, they're not going in that theatre anymore is because they're not selling tickets. <laughs> That's yeah, the no reason they're not being cancelled. But yeah, yeah they, but their version of events is we're, we're, all, we're all woke and cancelling them. But it's not. It's just because right. they're not very good and outdated. And the stuff yeah. they're saying is... so. Yeah, yeah. But there is also people... You know, there's, there's, there should be voices in stand-up for everyone, left, right, to a certain extent. But then sure. you can't take the freedom of speech thing and run with it. You have to draw a line somewhere. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. It, it comes at a at a cost, doesn't it, I suppose? And again, yeah, that's, and I that's think, where I... Sorry, go on. So, no, I was just going to say, I think that's where the intent thing comes in. If you yes, yes. make a joke about a subject and the difference is... If, so the... Obviously, we won't repeat the Jimmy Carr joke, but the Jimmy, Jimmy Carr's made a joke recently in his show, which is one that's been pinpointed. Sure. has been picked out. It is a show called His Dark Materials, and it is his darkest jokes. That is the mm. the show. And, I mean, there's no, nothing's not touched on. Mm. Yeah. This certain joke. And it, but a lot of people said the biggest problem with that joke is mm. um, is the reaction, where okay. the crowd reaction should be, oh, which is fine, because that's what it should yeah. be. There's some yeah. cheering and whooping, which means a certain part of that audience... Mm. have not take the, the intent is that they agree and that's a good thing and right. that's not the intention okay. of the joke so I think sure. that's where there's a, a problem with especially the older comedians who do their, their your Roy Chewett Browns, your Jim Davis of the world yeah, who are making yeah. just being offensive audi- for the sake of being offensive yeah yeah and their audience are not going and seeing it ironically they're going right, to go yeah. he's right there they are doing this or they have yeah. done this. So that's, again, that, that, that's a problem. You're not making a joke of both the thing. You're making a joke mm-hmm. for everyone to join in on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess it's the difference, isn't it, between being offensive, like you say, to, to egg on a crowd and then doing satire, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like you're making fun of something and you're making fun of the attitudes. Um, 
And yeah, yes. you, sound, you, you sound quite similar to me in that I, I prefer the latter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I am. I am, I am a fan of Frankie Boyle because I think he is a great stand-up and a great writer. I don't agree with all mm. of his jokes, which is sure. which is the intention. You're not supposed to because if you are agreeing yeah. with the jokes, you're kind of getting right. it wrong. That's not the yeah. intention. Yeah. But there are comedians, I just think, you're just mm. doing offensive because you're not even being clever about it. You're just being yeah. offensive. Yeah. I mean, there, there, is a, there is an argument for it, no matter what. If you don't like the subject matter of the joke... If it's mm. a good joke, yeah, it's still a good joke. Do you know what I mean sure. the structure of the joke is still good? Yeah, I don't like yeah, or, it, but well, yeah, and, and as you said, you know, before, like, there's there has been a lot of thought and craft going into it, and I guess it's like a lot of things in life, right? If you if you decide it's not for you, that's fine. Just you yeah, know, don't absolutely. don't listen to it then. Like, I, I'm a big fan of horror as well. I love horror films, and well, I just love right. films, but sure, not all of them are for me. But course, if there's yeah. there's certain films or even certain music, you can go. I'm not going to listen to that again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I can respect it's respect why craft, people yeah. like it. Yeah, and the craft uh, of it. Completely agree. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's kind of what we're about here as well. With the show is is celebrating these various things, and and as you say, I, I feel like that's a really important point. I'm glad we've talked about it. This idea that for anyone who's listening and thinks, oh, I'm not sure I like stand up, and to your point earlier. Oh, it's just people in a room saying jokes, or whatever. It's like you know they they've put so much work into it, and to sort of backtrack a little bit, the idea that like one individual can get a stadium of people in the palm of their hands with with comedy, I think is just incredible, right? Oh, hundred, it's it's it is an absolute art form, and there is a there was a whole thing with um when the lockdown when we were in lockdown. One, two, three, mm. or four, whichever lockdown we were in, <laughs> when yeah. um, the arts funds came in, and right. stand up wasn't part of the art fund. It, it yes. wasn't so. No, yeah, right. comedy clubs yeah, were yeah. not. Which, of anyone who was as a has an interest in stand up comedy or comedy clubs, would see as crazy. But again, mm. I think that comes from snobbery. Is oh, absolutely, yeah, comes from snobbery. Is well, it's not an art. It's just someone coming up someone just standing up and telling jokes to people who are having a beer. But yeah. it's absolutely not. Like, no. um, there's a comedian now called Jordan Brooks who is doing, like, amazing th- I mean, it is really, it's challenging stuff. He does a show called Bleed, which I think is on YouTube now, which has to be watched with headphones okay. on. Right. He, okay. And when you were there in the audience, you had to have headphones on. And okay. it becomes apparent why throughout the show. And sure. it's an incredible piece of work. And to say that's not a piece of performance that has been honed within an inch of with it, like to the minute detail of a, a voice coming into a headphone. You know, the, yeah. that is the performance. I mean, it, maybe it does blur the line between theatre and stand-up, but you're a stand-up comedian. And the fact that yeah. it's not classed as an art is crazy. No, absolutely, because as you say, but by definition, it's performance. Yeah, but yeah, it sh- absolutely should be included in that. It just makes me wonder, actually. Do you have any favourites? Then you've named quite a few, but um, my favourite, like at the moment, like I said, there is through lockdown. There was a um, there's a comedy club called Always Be Comedy, but mm. when the lockdown happened, they mm. did um, Zoom gigs. 
Oh, okay. Which, yeah, which I, I was skeptical, but absolutely phenomenal because obviously these comedians who couldn't go out and hone, hone their craft in clubs still had shows to write. So they did it over yeah. Zoom. And I saw a few of my absolute fit Frankie Ball was one, but uh, Ramesh Ranga Nathan is superb at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, John Robbins, don't know if, if okay. you get a chance, John Robbins has got a special on Netflix. She's a uh, James A. Caster. Okay. I think yeah. there's a lot of really good comedians about at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Kerry Pritchard McLean, who's a Welsh comedian, mm. she's brilliant, absolutely superb. And again, doing stuff that is quite challenging and with a point to make. But yeah. Okay. So what is it then about these that makes makes them brilliant? In your mind now, like what is it you look for in a in a stand-up? I think sometimes with so John Robbins, for instance, his show, the structure of it is so clever. And it doesn't have even doesn't always have to be about anything we can relate to. So okay. like again, there's nothing wrong with Michael McIntyre and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peter Kay and garlic bread. We've all had garlic bread. Fine, funny. Yeah. Then, yeah. Like John Robbins did a show recently, and his he won the um, Perry Award. Of, I'm not sure if it's the Perry Award. No, it used to be the Perry Award, and mm-hmm. it was about his breakup and dealing with mental health. And I mean, right. it's an intense show, so funny. But the structure mm-hmm. throughout it, it, it builds to it. It's a story which builds to yeah. a, not only a, a, a punchline but a mm-hmm. an end. And yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. So John Robbins is one of my favourites because I think he is brilliant. Really clever. I like that. And uh, and do you know what? I think that's something actually that is another credit to a lot of stand-ups. And I think it's becoming more and more the case these days because to your point, I feel like the the more straightforward, you could say, observational stuff, like you said, the McIntyre's, the K's, you know, yeah. Lee Evans to a degree, people like that, that they pick on the common ground stuff that's kind of surface level and they're really good at it and it's it's very entertaining. But I think a lot of comedians have sort of realised that there's more fertile material the more inward you go and the more personal you go. And that's another credit, right? Like to go on a stage, do a, a show, as we've said, perform and reveal a lot of stuff about yourself, oh, you know. Amazing. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, just before... Um the world when pandemic i went to see um nick helm in cardiff who is uh-huh, uh-huh. a really intriguing like interesting character anyway as as a comedian but he his entire show was basically about him on antidepressants which doesn't right. sound like the basis for a comedy show it was hilarious but also really like quite moving and stuff and i took my yeah. friend uh, me and my friends went and afterwards we were saying like I mean, he was quite open about the effects that the um, the antidepressants had on him and, mm. you know, the depression had on him. And so we were then discussing that kind of thing. Mm. So it, it opened a conversation amongst a group of... Yeah. Oh, ads, group of men on having a beer in Cardiff. But then you, know, yeah. you left there talking about that. So I think, yeah, I mean, definitely, like, the comedian's... I think it's always been a thing that com- comedy's always been political, but the stuff that gets on mm. telly, again, it goes back to um, Michael McIntyre and mm. the, to a certain extent, live at the Apollo. It, you've, 
if you're on the BBC, there's got to be a you know you, you're appealing to a, a mass audience. Yes, but then there is a like Nish Kumar is doing some incredible political stuff, and then okay. they cancelled the Mass Report, which was his show. That's right. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, he is doing again challenging people's beliefs. Uh, well, Stuart, as Stuart Lee, that's what he. Yeah. Stuart Lee does it. I mean, his shows are structured within an inch of their life, isn't it? A content provider <laughs> is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's not a, there's not a word in that in any of his shows which is misplaced. He, no. Every word is honed. Again, it's a performance. Yeah. So yeah, I think. I think that is one thing. Again, it gets forgotten that a lot of comedy stand-up comedy shows and stand-ups are doing things which are about mental health, um, mm. important issues, politics, and what's going. And mm. Yeah, so I think you casting a net open and just looking at other com- comedians as well. I mean, again, it's not going to be for everyone. Yeah, but you, it's good to have your your belief challenged sometimes as well. Well, that's the thing, and I do think if somebody if somebody's making jokes about, you know, systems and, and your, like you said, your views on certain subjects, I don't think there's anything wrong with hearing him out. Even if you disagree, you've, you've still heard them out. And to be fair, they're doing it for comedic effect. So you could just brush it off, you know, yeah. and like, not everyone has to agree with everybody, I think, you know, and again, like you said, that's kind of the point of a lot of these shows is some of these, I think some, I think the more skillful comedians go in with the angle of like, look, I'm not trying to tell you to think the same way as me. I'm just saying, think about it. Yeah. And and they just leave it. You know, the the ones that do, I think get a bit too much and sort of start ramming it down your throat a bit. I agree. You know, because, and we all know who they are. The ones that kind of bang the certain, the same drums over and over. But again, that's their thing. And if that's how they feel and it's, you know, it's their mic, it's their show. If you don't like it, don't don't hang around. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. And like, it, I mean, again, we all like you said, we all know who they are. They've been doing it for 30, 40 years now, and they're still yeah. doing the same material. Just now, yeah. they're blaming woke culture for them not right. selling out arenas yeah. or knocking on yeah. telly or yeah. But the fact is, they're just not very good anymore. Yeah, and people have grown out of that humor mm. there's a different yeah. audience for it now and there is the right. audience who has been, who've been going for them for years but i think mm. i don't think you'll find that they have a new audience i think they've got the same audience for them and the reason they're mm. selling out the arenas or selling out these things now is because the older their audience are the less there is they're not growing any numbers no exactly at no. all yeah so this is why um again this kumar is um, mm. selling out like mm. big venues because and he is political that's what he does and he, yeah but he's selling out because there's a new audience people who are a bit more like again I'm not taking away from what people believe or any but mm. I think we're more because of we're more educated in bigger things bigger issues and sure. comedians are not fa- not afraid to tackle them now yeah yeah and and again, that's kind of the point of comedy, I suppose, in a way, isn't it? I was, I heard something the other day. Actually, I thought was quite profound. Um, <laughs> it uh, it came up after the whole Oscars incident. Incident, right, and there's yeah. a lot of like 
which is already funny enough has already been discussed on this show to peel back the curtain a little bit there is a fresh prince episode that will be out before okay <laughs> recorded four days after that happened i was like okay <laughs> but the reason why i'm bringing it up again is because um i was just curious about people's reaction and, and because that involved comedy and jokes you know naturally there are people on different sides of it and something that came up in a view and i thought was really interesting was um a clip of Joan Rivers. Now, Joan Rivers isn't somebody I know a lot about in her comedy. I've not listened to a lot of it. But I, she's known for being a bit edgy and making jokes that, yeah. as you said, make people feel uncomfortable. That was part of her career. But she's dealing with a heckler and she puts it, I'm, obviously I can't remember it quote word for word, but in an essence, what she was saying was like, I've had struggles too. She was like, she pointed out to this person, like, I grew up with a mum who was deaf. I'm going to make jokes about it. I had a husband for a while who had one leg who was disabled after being in war. I'm making jokes yes. about it. It's like, do you know why? Because it helps me cope. And that's part of comedy is, and I was thinking about it afterwards and I was like, she's got a point actually. Like we all make jokes sometimes at the darkest moments. I mean, gallows humor, right? It exists well, for yeah. a reason, you know? And, and so yeah. I think some of these comedians, like you said, who are going up and they're making jokes about depression or mental health or whatever it is, they're not doing it because they want to be offensive and hurt people's feelings. They're doing it because it's a way of coping. And sometimes the best way to get through something that's difficult is to find the funny side. Absolutely. And I mean, it is, as you said, gallows humour. And it, it, it is, there's nobody you know that doesn't have that self-deprecation or that coping mechanism of making a joke about things. Right. I mean, it's what we do. Yeah, so, we all, especially if you're British. <laughs> We're really yeah, good at it. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, we are. And we do that, whether it's with your friends, with in yeah. work, it is what we do. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a coping mechanism. And some people want to tell everyone about it on stage. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. again, going back to that Nick Helm show is like he mm. he is bringing something which is not a sense what's well, not funny. Like it. it mm. It's wrong to say there's nothing funny about depression because he's he's done a show about it, which was very funny. Mm. But it's also highlighting something and opening a conversation. Yeah, yeah. And that's right. And that that's the other side of it, isn't it? Is you, you learn to laugh at yourself, laugh at your situations, so you cope, and then you go away and think about it afterwards. Yeah, um, absolutely. And if, and if that's the case, I think, job done. That's incredible if you can do that. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's, it's interesting to me the people that usually get quite defensive, you know, and say, who can't make jokes about that? And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe you can't. Maybe you find it too touchy. And fair enough, if that's, if that's the case. But clearly they don't. And, yeah. you know, like you said, the, the assumption that the comedian is punching down, it, it's often like, well, do you know where they're coming from? And more often than not, a lot of them, as, as we've established, are coming from a very personal experience or a very dark place and it's their way of just kind of dealing with it yeah and i mean there is a there's a history of um with comedy i mean it's the old cliche the tears of a clown thing but there right. is a history of yeah there is a history of you know the dark side of people and for i would imagine for a lot of comedians it, it if you're if you do have a depression, or um, Frank's going to talk a lot about his alcoholism, as is Frankie Boyle, right? Right. Um, he's a recovering alcoholic, and it's almost—I would—it's a release because you can yeah. talk about it. Yeah. It's the same. Um, 
you know, Hannah, that Hannah Gadsby show does it. Yeah, Hannah Gadsby, I think, is another um, uh, talk, like subject at the, at the time. So the Me Too movement gets covered a lot in comedy at the moment. Right. Yeah. But it is, it, it, of course, there's some some of that's offensive the way it's mm. dealt with. But it is opening that conversation, which I think is the point. Yes, yeah. you have to you have to talk about these dark things because yeah. they're there. Yeah, I think that's kind of the fascinating thing about it, right? About all of this is that, is, as you say, there's a lot of work goes into its performance piece, but it's also often tackling big subjects and getting you to think yeah. about things, you know, and that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and I mean, it is highlighting things maybe that you don't think about as much, like you wouldn't necessarily maybe go to a comedy show and then... Mm. The subject is mental health. It's not something you'd expect, right. but then you're there yeah. and it's a, you're thinking about it. Stuart yeah. Lee is very political. He, mm. he say obviously where he sits on the political spectrum, and he makes that obvious. Mm. Yeah, but he just it's it's a chance again. I, I would imagine his audience is his total audience, and not that way politically. I would imagine quite a lot of them are. But again, it's opening that chat and thinking about things you may not think about or looking at it from a different point of view. Mm. So yeah. someone who goes on stage, who is Mr. Super Confident, you've seen them on the telly, you've seen them mm. singing songs and then goes on stage and they talk about having massive mental health issues or depression or mm. you then can sit there yourself and go, see, it's not anyone can... Yeah, be depressed yeah. or yeah, yeah. So it, it, again, it's it, it's. I think sometimes stand up is pigeonholed in that someone goes up and makes jokes, and that's it. But it's not. It's definitely an art. It is an art, and and like you said, there's so many different ways people have done it. Um, I mean, we keep mentioning Stuart Lee. He's somebody that I think is incredible what he does because he does it in a very unique fashion. The the ability, I think, to take a joke like he does and stretch it out for 20 minutes and it goes through that cycle of being funny, not funny, funny, not funny. And he always seems yeah. to know exactly where to end it. And it's brilliant. And I'll say to this day, he has ruined Top Gear for me. <laughs> if anyone knows, <laughs> yeah. just look yeah. up Stuart Lee Top Gear and after yeah. 15 minutes, you will never be able to watch that program again. <laughs> Yeah, I I oh. saw um, Stuart Lee. There's a comedy festival in Macunthleth in mm. uh, Wales, which is it's it's an incredible um, incredible festival. It's actually next yeah. week next weekend. We used to go every every year, but unfortunately, I can't this year. But okay. um, and what they do is they utilize the entire village. So there's two pubs, and they do performances in the school gym, in the um, churches. And it's all people. That's what I saw Stuart Lee. Um, yeah. They go and uh, they, again, they're honing their craft. They're, it's all talk reviews and things. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I saw Stuart Lee there, and it was um, during Brexit. Ah, and okay. Yep. Probably Stuart, Lee, Stuart Lee's opening line, um, Stuart, Lee's, Stuart Lee's opening line, um, will, I will not repeat, but it definitely could have. Um, it definitely divided an audience if they weren't expecting to go and see Stuart Lee, right? Regarding okay. Brexit, but it's that kind yeah. of thing. It, 
during the time doing things like the uh, Brexit now and um, mm. I'm sorry Brexit and we've got the pandemic now comedy is one of those things again that it definitely highlights it and gets different points of view because there will be a lot yeah. of stand up now about um, the pandemic and how it was dealt with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah the Tory Tory government how that's how they dealt with it so there's going to be a new it's always highlighting what's happening and again if we use the same phrase again but open the conversation about it whether you like it or not yeah yeah uh, and as you say with someone like that it's kind of what he does <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> you know, I mean that it's, is his yeah. that's his thing it's challenging yeah. but you know and in terms of his structure I just find him amazing that ability I said to just drag something out for so long but to oh, yeah. always have but to have something to say as well like he's not just repeating himself and mumbling on for like 20 minutes it's it's new ideas on the same thing over and over and over and then it just lands on a joke and it's, yeah, it's an incredible tightrope isn't it to walk you just think, oh, oh absolutely he's a, he, <laughs> he is a master of uh, you even in one joke you're not really mm-hmm. sure where it's going and it changes direction yeah. a few times or you're still caught off guard thinking Where's he got? And then the repeat comes yeah. in. Yeah, what? But yeah. again, like you say, that that's not by accident. That craft yeah. of knowing where to land that punchline at the right time, when it comes to the point where you could be, I've lost interest in this. Now this is, but mm. bang, he's yeah. His his again uniquely delivered. I can't think of anyone even close to like no. a similar delivery and similar style. I mean, I'm sure there's people who emulate it now because he's. Mm. He's always the comedian's comedian. He's always a tops list of because yeah. he is amazing. But I think that's another thing. It, it, it's quite interesting. Sorry, it's quite interesting no. if you listen to um, other comedians talk about comedians, and that's where I found yeah. a, a yeah, lot of yeah. comedians because I mm. listen to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. We interviews comedians, and there's Stuart right. Goldsmith does one as well. They talk about comedians they may not have heard of, so I go and listen to those because they're people from the you know, from the industry talking about your best check them yeah. out. So I think that's probably why Stuart Lee is other comedian's favourite comedian, because he's so structured and so good. Yeah. I even remember a show, I think it, what, it was one where he addresses the whole, like, being in the list, and it, I think the title was, like, 43rd yeah. Best Comedian or something like that. Yeah. For, um, and it's it's so funny, and, like, the whole thing just hangs on this recurring joke where like his he tells a story about his mum complaining about his comedy and saying why can't you be like this comedian i saw on a boat one time and and then he goes into a whole tirade about this comedian and his backstory and how like he was a disgraced person and does this whole thing for like an hour and then obviously the joke ends where it's like his mum goes oh no that wasn't his name it was someone else but he was really funny Stuart. i just it's just Again, I'm just paraphrasing it, but you, yeah, you, it's one of those you watch it and you go, "I cannot believe you've just done an entire show on a bad joke." Like you've just, you've just led yeah. us on this massive journey for no reason, and it ends on this really silly punchline. Yeah, but it's but it's very clever, and again, it's that workshopping. You can imagine you spend hours trying to figure out, like, how long do I do this for bit for this bit of the story? How far can I take it? You know, and just it's genius, really clever. Yeah, I mean. It, Again, it, it, like you say, that structure doesn't come. He, he, mm. And that punchline, like he must have known in the back yeah. of you going, 
So that build-up has to be incredible for that punchline yeah. to work because that's yeah. another thing. The punchline doesn't always have to be an amazing punchline. I mean, it helps. Mm. But if you've gone on that journey to get there and then you can always, yeah. it always plays on the fact that it's a bad punchline. It, yeah. It's yeah. brilliant. It's a brilliant yeah. way of doing it. Yeah. There's nothing it's... like... You get like Stuart Lee is like say those elongated, long, drawn out <laughs> bills to something, but there's absolutely there's definitely a, a skill to people who can reel off one liners for an hour and a half. I mean, oh my goodness, yeah, that's a whole that's the opposite end, right? And yeah, yeah, I think of people like um one of my absolute favorites, Tim Vine. Like yeah, like, got, a, yeah. a lot of his jokes are so simple and so, but they're just brilliant. And it's like, how do yeah. you remember all of those? How do you well, just yeah, store I, like 200, 300 jokes and just reel them off? <laughs> like, it's, it's just uh, incredible. It's in, with Tim Vine and like, um, I can't remember, it, Milton Jones is another one. Like, yeah, Milton Jones, Tim yeah. Vine, yeah. yeah. Even if you didn't like that one, there's another one coming up. You yeah, haven't exactly. even got time yeah. to go, oh, that was terrible because you're already slapped in the face. And yeah. I'm sure that is part of his way of doing it. That structure is how, that's how he does it because he can go, Fire him out, and if one doesn't land, there's another one on the way that will. Yeah. So yeah, and those, that, and and the, no, sorry, go on. No, just saying, and that's that is a, like remembering those jokes and writing. Mm. Like Jimmy Carr um, wrote a book called The Naked Jim, and he he says that he'll sit down no matter what every day and write five jokes in the morning. Wow, that's what he does. He'll write five. Four of them will be terrible, but he to mm. keep going, he writes five jokes every morning. I suppose it's the same as anyone. It's just flexing a muscle, isn't it? I guess. But you just got to yeah. keep your brain ticking over. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing, right? Like, excuse me, like, as you say, it's it's not only the ability to sort of house all of that and perform it, it's coming up with them, you know? And, 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 and yeah, and I, I think that makes sense, actually, to do something like that, to wake up and go, right, I've got to write something just just to keep your sort of your brain going and, and then you just must have a massive list of them that you can just go through and then workshop. And then you end up with like a two-hour show where you're just reeling off Real. all of these jokes, you know? So I, wouldn't, I, 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 I wouldn't know off, like, I wouldn't know, but I would, Tim Vine, an hour an hour show, I, I don't know how many jokes it must be. Oh, goodness, but it, yeah. You know, you're talking one a minute easy with Tim Vine because mm. they're all one-liners from... Again, it's frowned upon a little bit with like prop comedy and things. Is it frowned upon? But it is for some. It is all for some. There is someone out there, and if they're laughing, then they're doing their job. Right. Well, I mean, to kind of come back to what we said earlier, it's the same with music, right? Not. It's not going to appeal to everybody. Not everyone's no. going to like the same thing. Comedy is the same. Yeah. Whether you like the long, drawn out stuff, or if you like the quick one-liners, or maybe a bit of both, or you might be something entirely different. Like you said, prop comedy, you might like sketch, yeah. you might like all sorts of different stuff, but there's so much available. So yeah, I, I mean, just think, if you don't like it, it's fine, just go look somewhere exactly. else. <laughs> yeah, because the, the first, my first proper comedy gig I remember going to see was League of Gentlemen. I went to see League of Gentlemen live on this. Wow, okay. In Cardiff, and... Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's sketch comedy, so it probably wouldn't be yeah. for everyone. But it was absolutely incredible. They had they got heckled and they dealt with it in character, which is even, <laughs> I mean, different again. But it's really? amazing. And yeah, that, yeah. My, that was my first gig, first one I went to without my parents. Me and my friend went to see League of Gentlemen yeah. on the train. 
And um, yeah, amazing. But again, they, that's a st- sketch comedy. Is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it can it's it's not my favorite thing. I, I, mm. I'm not a massive like stand like an on stage sketch comedy. I mean, there are some yeah. brilliant ones around. And the gentleman was mm. they're like the gold standard, I suppose, because they are amazing. But again, those sketches have got to be so finely tuned and come yeah. to something for that to work. Because it's it's hard enough to do it on telly when you're watching it from your living room to yeah. go, you know, I didn't want that a fan of that sketch. But then to have that as a live audience, that's that's it's bold because it, it very as you know, sketches can be really hit and miss. Yeah. Like even the even the best sketch shows on telly, I mean, mm. they're not always for me because the sketches mm. don't land. So to do that on stage, mm. the, Le- the League of Gentlemen, they did the first half in just um, dinner suits. Right. Okay. And, but did the voices of these sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did one where they taped their noses up. But then the second yeah. half, they came out completely in character. And it was amazing then because if you like League of Gentlemen, but yeah, to do that as well, to just have dinner suits on. And it was in yeah. an arena, so it was a big gig. Just dinner suits mm. and just did the voices, but you were in. And that, it, yeah. again, it's, it's an, an amazing talent. It, it totally is. And again, it, like you say, it's it's a whole other art form. And that's kind of the other thing I think is really cool about stand-up and, and comedy in general, live performance comedy, is there's so much variation now. As you say, it used to be, I think you would have thought, oh, yeah, it's a guy doing one line. It's like, well, that's, that's one. <laughs> you yeah, can yeah. have sketch, you can have observational. And then within those, like you said, you can then go, well, you get your, your more political ones. You can get people that deal with, you know, the more mental health or they deal with, you know, all, all sorts of different topics. I think of people, um, some of my absolute favorites, people like, uh, uh, like uh, I guess, Eddie Izzard, Dylan Moran, you know, people that are like kind of a bit out there. Their kind of comedy is a bit just random seemingly and they'll pick on history and they'll pick on all sorts of different things that has nothing to do with present day living but it's still incredible and it's still really funny you know eddie izzard especially i mean dylan moran is brilliant as well but eddie izzard Mm. that almost um train it like almost stream of consciousness comedy where yeah that just seems yeah yeah, it's coming out Yeah. yeah it just seems like it's just coming out and it's improvising that but I don't know for sure, but I'm sure with Eddie Izzard, that structure mm. is there, and that's yeah. how we believe we, we perceive it. Is it this stream of consciousness? Again, it must be finely tuned to a point because I think so, you have yeah. to have a show. So, yeah. it, like the, the the DVD, I remember having the DVDs of um, I had the VHS of Glorious Eddie Izzard, and it's an amazing show. Mm. I think it was called mm. Glorious. Um, but yeah, and even watching it, it seems improvised, but yeah. That show would not, be structured. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's and it yeah, those wild flights of fantasy fan yeah, flights of fancy and things mm. are there to get to a point, the punchline yeah. of yeah. And again, that, that's that's that, sorry, I was gonna say that's that's a skill in itself. You know, I think I talked about Dylan Moran a, a, a while back on a few episodes, because we talked about black books and like I remember watching him in a in a theater in Bristol, and it was it felt like like you say stream of consciousness. I, I described it as like comedy jazz, like it's kind yeah. of just going all over the place, but it has a rhythm and it has something going on. And you're like, I don't know what this is, but it's kind of brilliant. And that like you say it is going to a point, and there is something hidden in yeah. there that you think, oh, that's so random and strange. Your choice of words there, but 
you've just made me think actually about something and like yeah you think how do you do that again that's another skill in itself right is being able to write and craft something like that yeah that random choice of words yeah that's even a word can change a joke from being Mm. funny to not that that just a choice of word you even see that in like when you watch um watch films and they do um yeah at the end they show the line readings there's a reason they've chosen that line Mm. which seemingly would be like but it's worked so that's why yeah i would like dylan moran and with mm. even a word can change that laugh. Yeah. And it, I think it's a skill as well to be able to pick those words, you know, because yeah. you try and do it yourself and you think, oh no. And you can spend ages. Like, I, I would encourage people listening now just to try and think of it, try and think of like a funny anecdote and changing some of the language. You could be stuck for like five or 10 minutes going, oh, was yeah, that yeah. funny or was that too weird? Or, and these guys just reel it off like it's nothing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's incredible, absolutely amazing. And again, that's just another style of comedy you could just go and check out. Yeah, there's a, a, like not all of it's for me. Like surreal comedy is not always for me. Like you mm. think of um, even Vic and Bob. That's how they started. They were stand They were stand-ups. They were doing stand-up right. shows. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. and now National Treasure, Bob Warmer. But like, right? If you watch like. His big night out and uh, Vic Reeves and Bob Moore's big night out, or um, mm. it's nuts. There is no. Yeah. If I or anyone else maybe said this is what we're going, this is what we're going to do in front of an audience, mm. it may not be fun. But for some reason, they got that thing where they can do that, which is just essentially sometimes hitting Vic Reeves in the face with a big pan. Yes, yeah. but. <laughs> It's really yeah. funny when they do it. There's yeah. something about it. That they've got something about it. Them in particular can do that. Whether yeah. it's because no one else was doing it and they are unique. And that's another thing. Like, there are voices that are really unique in comedy, which mm. in the hands of other people just wouldn't come across. But yeah, so I think, mm. yeah, there's lots of, there's a, a lot of voices in stand up for everything. There's something for everyone when it comes this to stand-up. Is, exactly. This is the thing I think is really cool. I mean, I'm just glancing up. I've got a few DVDs scrolled away somewhere here. And, um, you know, another one that comes to my mind, someone who I think is does another side of comedy really well, Dara Brian. And I've seen him do it in front of my eyes, the ability to pick on people in the crowd at random yeah. and just draw stories out of them and then tie it into the show. And it's, it's just like, how do you do that? I don't know how you, yeah. you could just pick something out. And, you know, he must be sweating bricks every time he picks on someone thinking, like, please have an interesting job or something. And like, well, yeah. see how fast their cogs are turning just to try and be like, okay, how much kind of material can I get out of you before I can move on? And can I tie it in? And, you know, sometimes it works beautifully. And other times you must think there must just be nothing. You know, if you pick on the one person that has nothing to say. You know? Yeah, but then there's also that, that again, the intelligence with that comes with the standard comedian who are at the top of their game, because that, to have all that information locked away, uh, yeah, ready to just, whatever the, the subject is, to yeah. just, you know, to have that, whether it, it be something simple, but you've such a backlog of mm. stuff to say. And be able to talk on a subject, you, you, it's no accident that a lot of stand-up comedians become authors or become writers or 
because they have a they, 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 they would have to have a huge knowledge on subjects for that reason yeah. if you're if you're if you're going to challenge people then you'd expect to be challenged back so you need to and they must True. do yeah they must do absolutely and well, I guess that kind of comes back as well to dealing with the hecklers, isn't it? You've got to have a few locked away of like, how do I deal with this? And yeah, yeah, that that knowledge and and the jokes, you've just got to have so much. You've got to have so much prepared, I think. And I'd imagine it's like a lot of things you'll just get better as you as you go along. But it's a dedication, right? It's it's certainly something. Oh. I think the standing out of this conversation is so much work that goes into it. And, oh, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, there was a um. From, mentioned again but Frankie Boyle wrote a piece and mm. again out of context it seemed that he was saying that Ricky Gervais is not a stand-up comedian and there is an mm. argument that he's not he's a very good writer performs his material and right. Frankie Boyle's argument well I think it was it was Frankie Boyle um his argument was that Ricky Gervais has never had to work his way through the clubs he's okay walked into an arena with an already a fan base of what's the office Right. So he's saying he's a brilliant writer, but not necessarily a, a stand-up. He's a writer and performer. Whereas your Frankie Balls and James Acaster, Ed Gamble, um, they've all had to do those, maybe a working men's club that is yeah. absolutely not James Acaster's audience. Right. But he's yeah. gone out there yeah. and done it, and he may have bombed, yeah. but they've had to work their way up to it. Mm. Like, is it? Yeah. So... Yeah, James yeah. Acaster is an incredible comedian. Yeah, do you know what? he's someone I love, and yeah, again, for people listening, go and check out. He's done a ton of interviews in different podcasts. Um, actually, a friend of the show, Mark Woodjack, interviewed him on Mark and Me a while ago. Really interesting conversation. He talks a yeah. lot about about that, about those experiences of moments where he felt like, "What am I doing? I just want to quit." Because even though he likes writing jokes, he, and it's clear he enjoys performing it and gets a kick out of it. Like you said, he he's someone who definitely has a bit of a niche. Like he's a bit more of your surreal. I think he edges on that kind of side of it. Um, yeah, I mean, he and so he's yeah, definitely, like you said, a working man's club at one in the morning. Probably not his audience. You know, not gonna be his not gonna be his vibe. But yeah, no. he, he's a, a unique voice, and his delivery yeah. and his he mm-hmm. he is a newly unique voice. And yeah, I would yeah. imagine he's got an audience, a fan base now who yeah. know what they're going in for. Yeah. But to stand yeah. up and do that to an audience who don't know what they're in for must be terrifying. Oh, yeah. He has a really funny story. Again, I think it was off menu. He brought it up where, like, he was at some club and some guy was just really giving him an awful time in the audience the whole time. And in the end, he just snapped. And he just went, all right, mate, here you go. Go on, have the mic up you get. And the guy was all initially all kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll do this. Probably had a few too many beers thinking he could do yeah. it. And he said, I watched him and he went up there. I sat, I took his seat. I sat there. And after like two minutes, he started bombing. And he had this panic look in his eyes. and He was trying to give me the mic back. And I was going, no, 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 no. It's your set. It's your set. You wanted this. You wanted this. <laughs> and it's funny because he was talking about it. He's like, I probably shouldn't have done that. If I was listening to it going. No, nah, fair play. <laughs> like, fair play. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if anyone ever thinks about doing that again, they probably think twice if they hear that story. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Okay, you do it then. Oh, actually, no, no. Yeah, no, maybe not. not. Really. Maybe not. <laughs> no, sorry, I'll shut up. I saw um, James A. Caster at uh, 
twice at my, uh, in that comedy festival I said about. And the one show yeah. I saw was at 10 o'clock in the morning, and it was James A. Casser doing stand-up for kids. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it, and it was, again, see, it, it, a unique voice, but could do something different. And yeah, he did a, show, yeah. sta- um, a stand-up show for kids where the premise was he was going to write a book when he wanted to make as in his words, loads of sweet dollar off the kids because they were the kids would <laughs> shout out stuff. They would come yeah. and act it on stage, and he would just do his thing, and That's it was adorable. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it was phenomenal. In fact, my I got um, I got four children, and my two eight year old daughters they were mm. about four at the time sat next to me, and they, he was saying, "I need to call out an animal," and my daughter's going, die. Said, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to show it with that. She got up, started walking down, but took her sister with her, and they slowly walked down the middle of the aisle towards <laughs> James A. Caster. Now, my daughters, they were dressed the same, they had right, and the oh. show stopped. Yeah, and James A. Caster went, This is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm being approached by the Grady twins. <laughs> so, yeah, so they became part of the show, oh. and then they just walked up the stage and they both went crocodile and walked off. And, um, oh. He weirdly mentioned it on something a couple of weeks after on an interview, and he mentioned oh, that story and said that yeah, he said that he amazing. got uh, the Shining Twins came up to him and said about being about crocodile. <laughs> uh, that was my daughter's, but yeah, so that even doing that kind of yeah. thing is another crack. It just shows the the level of craft they have got in there where he can do a show for kids even, and I've seen a few yeah. comedians do that kind of thing. Mm. And it was it was still a James A. Caster show, you know. It's still James A. Mm. Caster doing his thing, but just like it down for kids, and it was incredible. That again, that is a remarkable skill set to do that. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. To to be able to on a dime know your audience and adjust like that. Oh man, I yeah. wish I could have seen that. That sounds amazing. I bet yeah, your kids loved it, it as well. They did love it. Yeah, they've. Um, yeah, it gets brought up quite a lot. The uh, when James K. Cass is on telly, well, oh, this is the one you said crocodile to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and like you say, and he's somebody who now has the Netflix specials, right? And that feels yeah. like a whole other field now, where you get comedians. You know, as we said, it used to be live at the Apollo was the big gig and panel shows and stuff. And and now that streaming's around, you've got people doing YouTube shows, Netflix, Amazon Prime. Yeah. You know, I. I Imagine it won't be long before sort of Disney and others start bringing in. I think so, and I think you know, yeah, they appear on Amazon and things again. Like the um, mm. going back to um, always be comedy, which is a um, comedy club and these online shows. They still do them, they, and I regularly watch. I watch. I log into them, and they are superb. Again, it does open up stand up because, as I say, I've got four kids. I don't get to go and see stand up as much as I used to. Yeah. But now the kids go to bed and they can log in to a gig essentially and watch it. That and sounds it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's an it, they what they do is incredible. Um James A. Caster has done it regularly. And it'll be James A. Caster sat in his front room doing a gig. And it's amazing. But again, it's opening it up to a even bigger audience. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't know about this during uh, lockdowns. You mentioned it earlier. I just had a little look now. Mm. Yeah, they, they've got stuff now, like for the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And it, 
Absolutely. So it's and what they'll do is um, it is interactive as well. So what they do is mm. they send an email out with the the Zoom link and maybe two hundred yeah. people. Are, they have a what's called a front row. So if you message us, and basically they'll just have 12, 12 people on the front row. And because yeah. we were regulars, I mean, we were doing twice a week. We used to watch them during lockdown. We'd really? be on the front row. So we, yeah, chatted to Romesh, yeah. Ranga, Nathan and things. And it's, it was incredible. It was an amazing thing. But yeah, they're still doing it. And sometimes they'll do interactive shows in where you're, it's just, mm. like I say, James A. Cass's front room. But what they also do now is they stream from the comedy club. So you're watching the gig at home, essentially. Which is great because I can't get to London because I don't live in London. Do you know what I mean? And it does act- yeah. it brings access to everyone then. Yeah, absolutely. I was just having a little scroll through and a bunch of the people you've named have, have been on there. Mm. Um another one that jumps out to me is someone I, I'm a big fan of because of his podcasting work, uh, Mike Wozniak, I think is incredible. And I just so good. A few times and like, yeah, so good. Yeah. So again, as like you said, there's there's access and a mm. lot of them I, I could see on there and you just mentioned you know they're performing in these clubs but you're basically like paying for a streaming ticket which yeah and i mean brilliant absolutely what they go do, for it yeah 100 because if you do if you book a night where there's four comedians on and you only know two of them or even one of them yeah yeah it's five it's five pound you know and you're gonna see yeah you're gonna see three comedians you may think you may become your favorite comedian ever and also three different voices you know so yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. And again, it's, yeah, you just try it out. And if you decide one's not for you, give it half hour or whatever, then yeah, that's it. Someone else will be on. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And um, I mean, I, I, you're quite fortunate where you are. So you, you said you've got a few clubs near you. Is that right? The Glee Club? I do well, recognize you, that one. Yeah. I used to, well, I used to live in Cardiff. I, I don't mm. I live in Worcester now, but I'm um, in Cardiff, okay. the Glee Club, you, we used to go to quite a lot because it was 20 minutes up the road. Right. I mean, there's okay. one in Birmingham, like I yep. say, with, uh, with, with kids. the four kids at the minute, it's, <laughs> it's a, yeah. a few and far between. But this is why no, that always be comedy has been great because we've essentially had a comedy night at home. But yeah, but there is something special about going to a, a comedy club. Yeah, it's totally, man. An atmosphere, and it, it, yeah, if you get to any any comedy club you get to go to, I went to Edinburgh um, a couple of weeks ago, ah. and I saw Lou Sanders at the stand, and it was amazing just to be in a room again and that yeah yeah the, it, a, a good laugh unifies everyone you kind of like forget about everything because you're just yeah everyone loves a laugh or even to the point sometimes there's nothing wrong with someone somebody saying someone's shocking mm. because you're all unified in the shock of it and yeah. it's a nice mm. also it's a bit it's, i suppose it's like and if you go and see someone you don't really know there's that danger you're not going to like them so it is exciting mm. in itself Right. Yeah, I, I could see that. And I, I definitely think live performance is something I love. I mean, I, I lean quite heavily on the music side, but whenever I have been in, in comedy shows, the atmosphere is always great. Yeah. Like say, everyone's there just to have a good time. And the really funny thing about it is, I think as well, like being in a live show versus, you know, watching a DVD or something on YouTube is you can memorize the stuff at home. You know, you'll, you'll hear the sketch and you'll laugh. Yeah. And for some reason, when you're at home watching it, you'll just kind of, something will stick out and you'll just, you know, like going back to what we were saying earlier when you're at school, you know, I can recite this to my mates and it's there. And then you go and watch someone in a room and it's just even funnier for some reason. I don't know what it is about just being in a room and you just forget everything. I've seen a bunch of comedians and 
I don't know about you, I can never remember anything. I just walk out of the gig and they go, oh, what, what was one of the jokes? No idea. No idea. Couldn't tell you. you. I was just laughing hysterically for an hour. <laughs> nah, I think it's, yeah, exactly. It's the atmosphere. You're dragged along with the the whole atmosphere of everyone else yeah. as well. It's the same with, like, I've seen, um, like, comedy films in the cinema, which I thought were hilarious right. in, a, in an audience with everyone yeah. else laughing. Watch them again at home, I thought, Oh, yeah, it wasn't that funny? It was all right. Yeah, it was but all right. Yeah. I think it's that you know that that atmosphere with an audience makes something yeah. even better. Definitely, and it must be really nice for them up on the stage as well when you can feel that coming back to you. Oh yeah, I would imagine. So I mean, and you, I would imagine a, a comedian would feed off that. And yeah, if totally, I've seen it before, and I just think. You know, with, when you watch panel shows, for instance, you can almost see the the eyes light up and go, I'm going to go with this a bit further because the audience are rolling with it. Yeah. I mean, Sean Locke was incredible at that. Like, oh, on yeah. AOA 10 Cats, watching him making other comedians laugh, you could see that was his spark yeah. and he would just go. And he was yeah. amazing anyway. But, like, yeah, that feeding off the audience and that atmosphere and that vibe coming from them must be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Such a loss, that one right there. Uh, that was, oh, when was, that? So was last year, wasn't it? I think this year, wasn't that? Was it this like, year? Yeah, not, not long ago at all. And, um, yeah, so because he was an absolute a comic mind. It's yeah. so sharp. You watch yeah. him like, Lee Mack is another one on um Yeah, yeah. I would like to who is so sharp, yeah, so quick. And he's another clever one who can do a joke that it's not even sometimes it's real quick. It's not even essentially that great a line, but he almost does a wing as if say, I know, but I got it before you did. That kind of thing, Jeremy, which is yeah. so sharp. Yeah, he, yeah. he the short lock is amazing. Yeah, he was. Uh, and that's the thing. We're really fortunate, I think, in this country in particular, with so much amazing talent in comedy. And um, yeah, like you said, I think panel shows are often a good chance as well to see people, you know, uh, having a go. And sometimes, especially again, I remember watching, you know, all the live at the Apollo and used to watch you know, Wheat, Buzzcocks, What I Lie To You, as you mentioned. And then you see guests pop up and you go, oh, okay. And then you, you go away and look them up on YouTube or whatever. And that can yeah. be another way of discovering people. And it's it's good now. I mean, it's still the balance of men to women is still an issue with a lot of panel shows. I think, and it's brought up a lot in comedy, but mm-hmm. it is getting better. And yeah, there is a wider a, a wider range of people appearing on things. I think it is a shame we haven't got a really good stand up show anymore. That is essentially, right. I think Jonathan Ross tried it last year where there was. He had like a six-part yeah. um, stand-up show where he had new stand-ups on, new but new not on, you know, new to TV, yeah. and I don't think there was an audience for it, which is strange because it. Mm. I think the problem is with Live at the Apollo. Sometimes it, you kind of already it, they're established comedians. Yeah, it felt like there was a it's, window, wasn't there, where it was kind of, it felt fresh. Yeah, that, it did feel like there was a, a period in time where Live at the Apollo was bringing out a lot of fresh talent. Um, actually, one of the names you mentioned earlier, Michael McIntyre, there was a time when he was like a new guy on the yeah. block, you know, and then some of these other guys, I think, like Russell Howard, Dara Brian, the list goes on, you know. Um, 
Whereas, like you say, within less than 10 years, they all became like huge, big established names. But then, like you said, but then they kept coming back to it and it kind of washed out the, I think, the chance for anybody else up and coming to have a go. And, And like you say, it kind of becomes a bit of a, who's really famous and popular at the minute? Who can we get on so that people yeah. will watch it rather than who's new in the talent circuit? Who's, you know, interesting? Who can we put out there? And it feels like their gateway now is through like panel shows and having to try and yeah, definitely. Like say work, work the circuits, the clubs. And then if they can get on to, you know, uh, Taskmaster or Buzzcocks or any of the other shows, they might have a chance, you know, to go a little bit further. Yeah. Taskmaster is what I think does mm. quite good at that because it, they have the mm. the um, benefit of five, so you can have a Frank yeah. Skinner, or Ardell Hanlon now, and then have someone like um, who Sophie Duker is brilliant, but maybe, mm. maybe she's not as well known because like yeah. only because I've seen it on that always be comedy and things. But you have the opportunity to have someone like Sophie Duker who is fairly new and up and coming. You're introduced to her that way, but I don't. It's a shame there's not a an actual like a stand-up show or there's not a, yeah. there's obviously not an audience for it for some reason where you're introducing like new challenge like as i mentioned earlier jordan brooks who is incredibly right. challenging like absolutely brilliant and as far as unique voices go he is incredibly unique mm. but maybe it doesn't work in a 15 minutes on like he absolutely wouldn't do like the apollo but I, that definitely wouldn't work but I mean, no. to have a, like a stand-up show where you are having those new talents or new yeah. different voices, it would be not... good. I know, um, like the Edinburgh Fringe Festival here is is very popular, and I remember the BBC used to cover that. And there was, um, yeah, there was one particular night where they did a big show, and it, the whole thing was televised, and they gave a lot of comedians like little ten-minute sets. I remember watching that one year and thinking like, oh, that's really cool. And you heard lots of different people's yeah. voices. But I haven't seen it around for a while. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know if they bother investing the time to film it anymore. I th- saying that, I think I do remember. I think it was a B- it may have been BBC Three. Um, yeah, yeah, like live at the Fringe. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah something like, yeah. yeah, something along those lines. But I don't know. Well, it sounds like, you know, if people are listening, and they think I, you know, maybe I'll get into it a bit more and try it. You've got some good places to go. I mean, like you said, always be comedy's got stuff there. Yeah. You've got you can find stuff on YouTube or Netflix and Prime. You can just have a flick around, right? And there's a there is actually know. a stre- yeah, there is actually a streaming site called Next Up Comedy, which is basically Netflix for stand up. Which right. okay. is always worth a look. I mean, they do the usual, you know, your free trial, but it, it's a subscription service, but they've got a massive range of um established and new comedy, and they do the same thing, they do live gigs. So live stream gigs, and that's an incredible thing to, even if wow. you cherry pick okay. and have a look at stuff. Again, you don't have to like everything. Not everything's yeah. for, not all of it's for me. Not you know, but it's worth looking at these things to see. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. I've just quickly pulled it up. I'm going to put this in the show notes for everybody because all of these things I think are well worth looking at. And like you say, yeah, there's a good mix here of established and of new people there's a few names i know and there's a few i don't yeah cool yeah there you go you've got an, another opportunity to check out some more stuff there i love it awesome that's what it's all about right it's discovery and absolutely hearing new voices yeah hearing new voices and 
again, it challenges this. This things that subjects that may not be something you want to hear or are particularly interested in, maybe, but it's always worth right. hearing people's viewpoints. And if you can do that in a way that's funny as well, yeah, it's a win-win. Too right. Well, I just want to say, uh, well, thanks for for walking us through all of this, Will. And was there anything else you wanted to bring up? Because I feel like this feels like a bit of a natural winding down period. But is there anything else you really wanted to bring up with uh, with stand up? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything. I've <laughs> yeah, I've told my James A. Caster shining twin story. So that's something. Yeah, no. I, I love that. <laughs> so yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Might, might see if I can make that a clip and tag him in it and see if he'll respond, but <laughs> yeah. you never know. But still, I mean, that's your daughter's claim to fame right there. That is, yeah, they they scared James Acaster. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, on that note, yeah, um, thank you for coming on, Will, and I guess now's a chance to plug stuff. You know, where can the good people find you? Is there anything you wanted to mention or shout out? I'm just out on Twitter at Will Chich. That's pretty much where I'm at. Nothing to plug. Okay. No, that's totally I, will fine. Pl- I will plug mm. Always Be Comedy because they are brilliant. So, yeah. I think that's really fair. And again, I'll put links to all of that in the show yeah. notes. People can go and have a look. Um, all that's left to say is thanks for coming on, Will. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And there we have it. A huge thank you to Will for coming on to the podcast and sharing your love of all things stand up comedy with me. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Make sure you go and give Will a follow if you're on Twitter. I've linked his details in the show notes, as well as a coffee page that he has where you can go and give him a bit of support. You want to say thanks to him for being on this and other podcasts. Also linked in the show notes are the two websites that we talked about, Always Be Comedy and Next Up Comedy. Both of those could be found there, and they're ways of supporting up-and-coming stand-up comedians, as well as comedians warming up, as we discussed, doing their material... Uh, workshopping it, all of that good stuff. You can find it on those websites. It's an excellent way of supporting people who are getting out there and making their comedy dreams come true. Speaking of supporting artists, if you like what you see with the logo of this very podcast, it was designed by Alex. His details are in the show notes as well. So if you fancy getting yourself some graphic design work done, you can do that. I'm also told he's published a child's book, which is available via his website as well. So there's another guy you can go and support. Again, links are in the description of this very podcast episode. And continuing that theme of support, you can support this very podcast. There are a few simple ways to do it. The best way is honestly just to tell people. It really does make a massive difference to independent podcasters such as myself. If you like the episode, you like the show, just word of mouth really goes a long way. You can also tell people via social media. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, Make sure you give me a follow via the details provided in the show notes and tag me in the comments so I can say thank you. You can also leave me a lovely five-star review on your favorite podcatcher. If you do that, then please make sure you tell me again via the social media details or even email. You can send me an email. That's also in the show notes. I would love to say thank you for giving me a lovely five-star review or rating. It really is the least that I can do. Also, if you want to go and give me some financial support, then there is a tea Public store for the podcast that is linked in the show notes with an affiliate link. So if you fancy getting the wonderful logo put on a T-shirt, on a mug, on a laptop cover, the list goes on, then by all means, have a look. Make sure you grab something for yourself. 
and let me know that you have because again i would love to thank you on the podcast and via the social media channels for supporting this very show right that's enough from me i'll be back again in a few weeks time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject so make sure that you're subscribed you're followed all that good stuff so you don't miss out and i will see you next time (laughs) 